gentlemen, listen up. Nah, 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 nah. Welcome to the Hospitality Cash Flow Podcast. Learn how to leverage multifamily and residential properties to provide short-term housing accommodations for high-paying clients. With years of experience in hospitality and sales and marketing, your host, Noble Crawford, invites you to listen in and access these gems as he shares the mic with some of the biggest influencers in the game. Rocking with the best. His expert panel of guests share their knowledge, best practices, strategies, and resources to help you generate crazy cash flow. Combining real estate and hospitality. So listen up. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. All right, folks. My name is Noble, your host with the Hospitality Cash Flow Podcast. Welcome to another episode of season three of the Hospitality Cash Flow Show. And I am super thrilled today to have uh, a special guest on the show today. Um, This brother is doing big things in the short-term rental space. And uh, so I'm going to let him take a moment to uh, go ahead and introduce himself. But Rafa, man, welcome to the show. Noble, what's up, buddy, man? I, I, listen, I, I'm, thank you for bringing me on this show. I'm super, super excited to be here, man. You know I love talking about this stuff. Um, what's up, everybody? My name is Rafa. I am a short-term rental investor. I've been doing short-term rental arbitrage for about uh, five years now, uh, ever since 2017. Um, I've had pretty good success at it in terms of acquiring locations, building relationships, and um, scaling um, currently, I sit at 44 um, short-term rentals, um, and I say that because I don't manage all 44 of them. I manage 32 of them, and I've since now that I've gone quite large and I've gotten pretty good at scaling and growing and acquiring properties, I've now helped friends and family around me, and out of those 44, um, I believe 14 of them are being, 12 of them are being managed by like friends, brothers and uh my girlfriend so it's been it's been a fun journey man it's it's been a it's been a good uh a, a good run um i'm barely getting started you know i'm now in the process of purchasing properties and yeah man that's a little bit about me let me make sure i understood that correctly man did you say 44 yeah 44 uh rental arbitrage short-term rentals yeah wow that is crazy that's crazy so 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 tell the listeners like um how did you get started? You know, when did you get started and how did you get started? Okay. Yeah. So um, I started back in 2017. Um, I was trying to get into the whole real estate investment side of things, um, you know, wholesaling, um, uh, fix and flips. And at that point, I was listening to bigger pockets and learning about real estate. And at, back in the day, it was like all I knew was really in order to be in real estate, you had to be a real estate agent, right? Be a real estate agent, sell real estate, and you're going to be rich. That was like the whole like mindset behind the entire world of real estate for me. And so I started actually paying attention and doing research and reading. And I come to find out that you can actually buy properties and rent them out to people for a small amount of cash flow. And so I'm like, ooh, this is great, right? It, I started paying attention to it, and I'm like, so if I go and buy a house, I can put a renter inside it, and I'll make a couple hundred bucks. I'm like, this this is the formula. I'm going to be rich. I'm just going to go out and buy properties. I had about 20 grand in the bank at that time, and I live in SoCal. And, of course, my dreams come crashing down the moment I start looking for property when I realize that a single-family house is about 450 grand. Right. And uh, it requires a lot more than twenty thousand dollars down. And um, 
I'm going to be either cash flowing about 150 bucks or I'm going to be negative cash flow with like taxes and insurance because, you know, we never account for taxes in these uh, these equations. And so uh, uh, really quickly, my my dream was broken of me, you know, having solved this whole I'm going to be rich in cash flow for the rest of my life. And so at the same time, um, as I, I was doing the research and I, I'm looking into this. I, my ex-business partner, she goes, hey, there's this guy who's driving this like Ferrari or Lambo or something. I remember what it was out at my job and they worked out in Hollywood. I'm like, of course, it's you guys work in Hollywood. There's all kinds of rich people out there. And she's like, no, he's like a 24 year old kid. And he does like this weird like um, apartment rental thing. And I'm like, oh, I wonder what he does. So we asked him and he goes, yeah, I have seven Airbnbs in this one um, building. And I'm like, seven Airbnbs in the building. So like, yeah, I rent out apartments and I just put them on Airbnb and then I make a bunch of money. And I'm like, huh, cool. That's weird. I didn't know you could do that. At the same time, as I was doing research for real estate investing, I come across short-term rentals and I, I start doing the research. I watch a couple of videos. Um, I joined a program and then I was like, wait a second, short-term rentals, Airbnb. I go, that's the same thing. I go, this guy's actually doing, I was like, I can totally do that. I can go on Airbnb and short-term rental these apartment complexes. So as I started learning about it, I literally, I was like, okay, I'm going to give this a shot. And we started making phone calls every single day. And at the time I was working graveyard. So to, to make the story a little bit shorter, I was working graveyard. And so my business partner, we became, we came uh, like a, a tactic. We said, Hey, she, she was going to make the phone calls to make the appointments. And after I got out of work in the mornings, I would go and meet me, meet the managers first thing, be the first person there and, and pitch them and close the deal. And so we did that for about six months and it was just a bunch of no's. And we, we, we gave up for a while and then we tried it again and we gave up for a while until one day I was like, Hey, look, I got to make this my own strategy. I got to like figure out how this is really going to work. And so I said, Hey, find any places that have big, big, um, rehab project going on or things that are like being built. And, um, I came across that idea because the first the first building that we went to was a uh, I think 210 units and um noble they had like 62 vacancies something like that and wow. I'm like there's no way this place is going to tell me no right so I walk in all confident and I knew because when I walk in there's a, a big like rehab team there's like 40 doors open and I'm walking up past them and they're all just being like gutted and I'm like okay if these people tell me no like then they clearly don't care about filling their vacancy, right? So I go in and I pitch them the idea and she's like, well, can you pay the rent? I had literally opened my LLC the day before and I had just deposited a bunch of money into the LLC account. Uh, and she's, I was like, yeah, here's my, my uh, spank statement. I, I've got the money. And she's like, okay, we'll give you a shot. And I was like, oh my God, I finally got a yes. And man, it, it, it was amazing. From there, um, we went live in the middle of the month. Uh, we ended up spending something like, at that point too, keep in mind, I didn't have 20 grand anymore. Um, at that point I had spent all my money because six months of me, like, you know, paying bills and living and moving around and spending money being reckless. And so I had about six grand cash. And when they told me, yes, I was like, uh, okay, how am I going to get this place furnished? I go to my brother and I'm like, Hey dude, I got this awesome business idea. I just got my first approval. Let me borrow your credit card. And he's like, what is that? I was like, don't worry about it. Just give me your credit card. We're going to make a bunch of money. We're going to be partners. And he's like, okay. So he gives me his credit card. And we go and we buy about $9,000 worth of furniture on the credit card. We use the six grand I had in cash um, for the first month's rent and the first month's deposit, which was like, I think like 4,500 at the time, something like that. And um, the first two weeks we go live, right? We're super excited. And I still remember I, I was on my break. It was like four in the morning or something like that. And I get my first booking and I'm like, oh my God, this is going to work. So cool. I was all excited. Um, the first two weeks, dude, I ended up covering literally all of the rent and the deposit. 
And I was like, no way. This is, there's no way. Two weeks, right? And um, the following month, I made like a $6,000 profit on a two bedroom apartment. And this was like December. So it was a little bit of the higher end, the higher season. And that was it. I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to add a bunch more of these. I'm going to quit this job soon. Fast forward two months later um, in like March or something like that. I gave a 30 day notice on my job. I had three of them going already. I said, I'm going all in. Um, fast forward nine months. I had 14 properties. Um, most of them were in that same building that I got started. Cause remember they were really vacant and, um, and I had, three more in a different property. Cause at that point I was already kind of comfortable given my pitch. And I remember the idea came from let's find places that are being rehabbed or brand new builds because they are the ones that are going to always approve you. And, um, and yeah, man, uh, we went, we built up a total of about 32 in about, about three years. And then, uh, uh, I'll talk, I'll talk a little bit about this. If you don't mind, Noble. Uh, uh, during, uh, COVID, I ended up shutting down quite a bit of units, not because of COVID, but it was COVID related. Uh, we closed down something like 18 units. And just in the past year and a half, I went from, I kid you not, I went from five units to, uh, 44 since last March. So in the last, yeah, in the last year has been the biggest growth that I've had. And, um, it came from just, not being complacent, not being comfortable, right? Because in the past, the past four years prior to that, dude, like I was comfortable. I was like, oh, well, I'm doing good cash flow already. Like I don't need to keep growing. I don't need to go out and find properties. And so I got comfortable and I started derailing, trying to learn different avenues of, of like investing. And when COVID and everything happened, I was like, okay, I got this big cash cow of a business. I got to really save it. Um, I got I to gotta make sure that these units don't just fall apart, right? I still need to get this cash coming in so I can continue my life. I had a five-year plan. And yeah, um, in the past year, I, I opened, um, what is it, 41 units, which is kind of insane. But that, that's wow. kind of the story, man. Yeah. Wow, man. That Well, first of all, congratulations, man. Thank you. That is an awesome run. That is absolutely awesome. And you, you, you provided so much information there. I want to unpack a couple of things, man. Um, so you mentioned um, property management. You mentioned your first unit. So this is, we're talking about a multifamily. So we're talking about apartment complex, correct? Yeah. Back when I first started, it was, yeah, giant apartment complexes. Yeah. Okay. Got it. Got it. And then, so you're about, uh, nine, six, 15 K in on your first unit. Uh, was that a, was a studio, one bedroom, two bedroom, what was it? So I actually ended up spending a little bit more. I ended up spending about 20 grand total because it was nine grand okay. on the, on the, and it had, a, so it was a two bedroom apartment, two bed, two bath apartment, but it had a giant patio. And what, after that first month that we made it really good money, we put about another four grand into it to add a few more details and we went a little bit overboard. Like now we don't do that anymore. Cause we know it's like it, there's a, you start learning what the sweet spot is to pricing and the amount of money you need to spend and stuff like that. Um, but we put a bunch of really cool patio furniture, barbecue, like a fire pit and it costs us quite a bit more. So I ended up spending about 20 grand in that two bedroom apartment overall. But I mean, dude, I, I probably in the, I, that two bedroom was probably my best money maker for about three and a half years before I had to close it down. And it, it probably like, 10x that $20,000 investment. Wow. Wow. Okay. Okay. Good stuff. Good stuff. So 20K in two bedroom, uh, first unit out the gate, um, in a, in a, in a multifamily property that is uh smaller, but with a lot of vacancies. Yeah. Yeah. It was uh okay. 210 and, uh, it was like, maybe it was a little bit less, maybe like 180. I don't know, but 60 of them. I know for a fact were vacant. Cause I still remember the conversation. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Cool. Two ten. That's, yeah, that's a pretty good size complex. So let me ask you about this. A couple things I want to touch on. So, um, 
you mentioned in the beginning that the first six months or so you were getting a lot of no's. Okay. When you were going out and having these conversations, what would you attribute to those no's that you were getting? What would you say was one of the defining things that was the reason why you were getting those looking back? Um, in terms of this, it's because when I first started, I really had no idea like how to really answer. I didn't have the confidence. Um, I didn't really um, know what to tell these people. It was more of like trying to just kind of get that permission to jump into a building, not really knowing anything. As I started going, I started kind of learning what their most of the rebuttals and most of the the no the rejections came from always like the same stuff. Like, where do you vet guests? Um, how do you handle troubled people? What if there's a party? Do you use Airbnb? And I didn't know how to answer those. And so the moment you panic and the moment you're like, uh, uh, it's already like, a, uh, this guy doesn't know what the hell he's doing. That's really what it was. When I started getting comfortable and I started kind of tweaking my pitch, so to, so to speak, right? Because everybody says you got to have a pitch, right? I have like a little pitch, but it's not really a pitch. I have a different conversation with every person based on their needs now. Once I realized that really in order to get yeses is really just addressing the other person's concerns, I was like, oh, if I can just really learn and address every single concern that they have, there's no reason for them to tell me no unless they really absolutely don't want to work with me. So in the first six months, I didn't know that. It was more of like I had this pitch and I would go and pitch it and thinking, oh, I, I, was, I sounded perfect this time. They're going to say yes. And then they'd come at me and say no. And I would take no for an answer. It'd be like, oh, well, thank you. Now it's like, well, why not? What, what's the issue? Let me, let me address the concern. And that's all it really took is just being a little bit more persistent and really asking, well, why not? Can I know what the actual issue is? I might be able to address that concern and we might have a great relationship together, right? And uh, that's what it was, man. Literally. Awesome. Awesome. I love it. I love it, man. Our, our stories, there's a lot of similarity there because in our first several months, I experienced the exact same thing, man. Uh, and what I realized for me was that it was, um, I wasn't really showing up with the level of confidence that I needed to have in the conversation. So I was coming in the door kind of in a meek, mild manner, asking for permission, you know? And so yeah. there's a difference between, it's you huge. know, Hey, can I, you know, if it's okay. And, and if it works out, can I do this <laughs> or that versus coming in and saying, you know, this is my product or service. Yeah. This is how it's going to benefit you. Um, where do we sign a partner? up? Oh, it's right? huge, huge, um, man. Yeah. Yeah. So, so man, you nailed it right there. You nailed it right there. So, Another thing you mentioned too, man, which is the elephant in the room, right? Airbnb, right? And so as you and I both know, um, the game has changed a little bit over the years, right? And so it's not the same as it was four or five years ago. Um, the conversations are slightly different now. Um, this is a more common play among people. And I think you would also agree that, um, you know, there are folks that are kind of getting into this space and they're not getting in with the right knowledge um, and they're having bad conversations that mess it up for the next guy coming in. Right. The oh pro God, professional yes. operator mm -hmm. coming in behind them. Right. And so, but, but as you and I both know, right. Like um, as these communities, multifamily communities become more knowledgeable about this space as they hear these bad pitches from people coming in who don't know really how to pitch, don't know the talking points, don't know how to address the pain points. Right. Um, as they hear those, 
instinctively they start developing automatic no's as soon as they see the conversation drift in a certain direction. Um, so that's becoming more common now. Would you, would you agree with that? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. There's, there's two. So I'm sorry. Go, yeah, ahead. go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was going to, I was going to ask you like, so, you know, how, how, how do you address that now? Um, knowing that the, you know, there, there's a, there's a pivot that, that really has had to happen over the past year or two, probably in the last couple of years, as, um, more people are coming into the space, more people are having incorrect conversations, but you're still that professional operator and you know what you're doing. You're having to overcome that. Yeah. Great question, Noble. So there's two things I do here now, right? Number one, I, I shifted the way I approach and who I approach. That's the first one. Mm-hmm. Right. Actually, no, sorry. That's, that's both. It's the first thing is I shifted the way I approach. And the second one is I, I shifted who I approach, um, the way the who I'll, I'll address who I approach now. Right. I no longer go into the big property management companies. Like I, when I first started, I just don't do it. Right. For that main reason, number one, because they've either been pitched in the past by someone who didn't know what they were doing. Or number two, I go in and I get that. Yes. And someone's going to follow me in and mess it up for the rest of us anyway. Right. Um, it's happened both already for me. It continues to happen. It just happened again, like literally a couple months ago um, where somebody comes in and they give a pitch and then they kind of are because it's really easy to find out where people are at in buildings nowadays. And so they go, oh, yeah, I know this guy. I'm going to do exactly what he's doing. And then they give their pitch and they're like, well, he's doing awesome. Let's let you in and give you a shot. We fill some vacancy and then fast forward a few months. There's trouble. And now the entire building's like, hey, you got to end up closing shop because like. The neighbors are complaining, corporate's upset, blah, blah, blah. And so now, because of that, I focus on someone different now. I now focus on strictly the small mom and pop investors with small portfolios who want to have a good working relationship with me, knowing how well I'm going to take care of their property. And their main concerns usually aren't, hey, are you going to Airbnb? It's, hey, how are you going to take care of my property? Can you really cover rent? And how are you really taking care of the people who come in and go? That's their biggest concerns. And so anytime I come across somebody like that, that's now I change my approach. When I, back in last March, when I was telling you, when I literally scaled so fast, came from this one conversation, I found a guy who had a 12 unit complex. Um, we, we did the whole pitch, right? Hey, we do the, we do the corporate housing, the short term rentals, et cetera, et cetera. We come in. And I will, my partner set it up. I come in, I meet him. The first thing he says to me is, Hey man, listen, I don't want any Airbnb here. And I'm like, Uh all right, this one's going to be fun. Right. Because now we got to really educate this person on what we're doing. So I'm like, okay, well, first of all, before I get into that, let me tell you what I really do. But by the way, my name's Rafa. Like we hadn't even introduced ourselves yet. Right. And so I'm like, let me tell you what I actually really do. And then I'll explain to you what Airbnb really is and how I use it. And so I told him, I was like, Hey, listen, I focus mainly now on the way I talk. I do short-term rentals for people who need places to stay, which are business professionals, medical professionals, people who are recovering for the hospitals because I have the children's hospital. Sometimes um, people are in labor and they need a place to stay while they get their baby Um, or they're getting major surgery and they need a place to stay while the surgery is happening. Um, I'm in Southern California. So Costa Mesa is a very business heavy um, uh, international place. So there's a lot of people that come here who need a place to stay while they're traveling. It's very close to the airport. And then we have Disneyland. So I have families for leisure. And, and small couples who need a place to stay while they're here to enjoy rather than being in a hotel. I house these type of people, right? And when I talked about who I house more than what I do, 
and more more and more of like how good I'm going to work with them. Then the conversation went very well after that. Oh, okay, I see. And then his next question was, well, how do you deal with um with squatters? And I'm like, squatters? Like I've never had that question before. It was weird. And that's when I realized every different person has a different concern. I never give more information than I need to unless I'm addressing a concern of theirs. Right. Mm. If I if I wait and if I come in and I just start rambling, hey, my name's Rafa. This is what I do, and this is what I do, and this is what I do, and this is what I do. They're gonna be like, bro, relax, like whoa, and they, you're already scaring <laughs> them off. But if you give a little bit, and you go, hey, look, this is what I do, and I'm I'm using your apartment as a short term rental. I'm gonna house these people, and then you wait, and then you hear what their actual question or their concern is. Then you just address that, and then you wait. Where does the conversation going to take you? And then you just address that. But every time that they give you something, you got to sound professional, confident, and know what you're actually saying. At the end of it, he goes, hmm. And then I go, okay, going back to the beginning, let me tell you how I actually use Airbnb. Airbnb is this just giant marketing platform that has a lot of marketing dollars, and they, they're very popular, and they acquire customer for us. That's all they are. Same as if I were to use my own website, nightinrain.com, Right. I acquire customers through my website. I acquire customers through Airbnb. I acquire customers through making phone calls to local businesses. I acquire customers by calling the hospital. I acquire customers by going on VRBO. And he's like, ah, I never thought about it that way. I go, look, it's simple. I, I don't call my business an Airbnb business because it's like, I don't call my, my business a VRBO business. I call my business a short-term rental because I'm acquiring customers from every avenue I possibly can to keep this place filled. I, and, and then he asked me, I stopped. Remember, you don't give more than you need to. And then I stopped and he goes, well, if I tell you that I don't want you to use Airbnb, will we not work together? And I looked, I stopped and I looked at him. I said, honestly, I'll be 100% honest. Probably not. I go, I'd rather be honest with you now, because if I tell you that, yeah, we still do business. And then you find out later that I'm using Airbnb, you're going to be more upset then than if I tell you now that, yes, I am going to use Airbnb, but you are now know that I only use it to fill certain days or maybe even certain months when there's vacancy, because I still need to fill the place to pay you your rent. And he's like, oh, well, I appreciate, I appreciate the honesty. And I said, I'll tell you what, before I even let him answer anything else, I said, I'll tell you what, give me one unit. I go, I can take this entire building. It was a 12 unit. Remember, I focus on brand new rehabs. This was brand new rehab. I said, give me one unit for six months. Try me out. If you don't like me, I'll move. If you don't like the way I operate, I'll go somewhere else. And he's like, I can work with that. I go, but remember, I can take all, all of them right now but we're only going to do one. If you don't like me, I'll, I'll go. Dude, literally a week later, he's like, hey, you want another one? And I was like, yeah. And then a week later, he's like, you want another one? I'm like, bro, I'll take the whole building. Like, stop offering me one after the other. And now with this one investor, I have um, out of the 44, it's uh, I think 28 are mine. Um, and another four I gave to like my brother and my friend. Um, and now anytime he gets any, I just signed a, a duplex with him. He called me. He's like, hey, I got this brand new duplex, brand new rehab. It's ready to go. You want it. Anytime he gets a brand new building, I'm the first person he calls to fill the vacancy and to take it because now we have a really good relationship. He knows how I operate and he likes me. I'm honest. I don't lie. Right. Wow. I love it. I love it, man. That's uh that's textbook right there. So really <laughs> just um going after the um, you know, the smaller owner operator type landlord, you know, yep. looking for opportunities yep. to control the entire building. You know, if not get a, a large block of, of units yep. um, and then being open and honest up front about what your intentions are. Yep. Right. We, we I, know, I know you and I have both seen people get burned in this space because they try to backdoor it some way and, you know, fly up under the radar. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's only a matter of time. Right. Mm -hmm. And so why not just start from on the front end? 
you know, and just do the right thing yep. and just be, be, be open about what you're doing. So love that, man. Love that. And then, and then scaling with somebody that you already have built a relationship with. Yeah. Right. Um, that's huge because I see, I think I see too many people they'll get, you know, one or two doors here and then they'll go across town or to another city and try to get one or two doors here. And, and, and there's, um, when you're in the same location, in the same building, not only are there benefits with the property owner or property manager, um, you know, certain economies of scale kick in from having your operation consolidated, you know, yeah. in, in one tight space. Yeah. Um, so, be, yeah. If it wasn't for him offering me so many units, like, I mean, I got, honestly, I, I got, I got lucky that I found a really good investor, right? This guy buys all the time. And so the fact that they're in this nice little pool of like, a little pocket, I mean, not a little pocket area. I was able to build a really good system here with the central storage location with a really good team who loves working in this area and everything just works in sync with it rather than me doing two here, two across the state, two, two in another city. It's just always in a small little area. Awesome. Awesome. So real quick, man, I want to touch on, um, the regulation piece, right? Um, you know, a lot of people that hear, you know, Southern California is this or that or whatever. Um, so what did you find in terms of like where your properties are and what the regulations are and how, how did you navigate those and that sort of thing? Yeah. So, uh, when I first started, I was actually trying to open up short-term rentals in Anaheim, um, because of Disneyland, right? A short-term rental in Anaheim, man, it like a, a single family homes doing like 30 grand a month. It's insane. Um, uh. but the, the, at that time the regulations just didn't allow any short-term rentals. The city was actually fighting um, short-term rental operators. They were in a lawsuit. Um, ultimately, the lawsuit ended because the city ran out of money, et cetera, et cetera. A lot of different factors. But um, they allowed it. Now, in order to get a short-term rental, you either have to be grandfathered in, you have to buy it, which is sell. they sell for seven figures. It's crazy. Hmm. But anyway, so I couldn't operate in Anaheim. So I found... The best case at when I first started, my mentality was I got a house, people, because no one's going to want to rent an apartment unless they're coming to Disneyland. That was like my mentality before. So I found at that complex, I started looking in the outskirts of the city of Anaheim, anywhere that allowed it. Certain cities didn't allow it. Certain cities didn't. I mean, did. And certain didn't, didn't have any regulations. Fullerton at the time had no regulations. So I jumped into that city. I opened a bunch of short-term rentals there. Um, Costa Mesa has them on and off. They're always changing. Um and so I said, okay, I'm going to jump into the city knowing that eventually they're going to have some kind of regulation. Um, yeah, fast forward, they passed the regulation. Um, they capped it at 100 short-term rentals, um, which is, in my opinion, very dumb. There's 430-something in the city. They uh, only allow 100, so it, I applied and uh, permit pending. But in the meantime, uh, I'm still operating and I'm still collecting taxes in case that they say yes or no. I pay them and then I move on with my life, whether they tell me yes or they tell me no. But in that whole period of time, I'm still operating and making money, right? Um, in Santa Ana, where I, where I have some of my locations, they're in, barely in talks of it, right? And so I came into it knowing that if there is a regulation in the future, I will um, have to address it and, and get to that point, whether it's um, pivot to midterm rentals or whether it's get a bunch of operators together and fight it or whether it's um, apply for the permit and pay the taxes, whatever the case may be. It's going to come, right? In the cities that I've gone in that have it, for example, Costa Mesa is on and off. When they had it, when I jumped in, it was 30-day minimums. And so all I did was, okay, I can operate here, but I got to operate under these regulations, right? Then I come to find out that it's only 30-day minimums in specific zones, right? One of the things that, that people always think is, oh, well, I got to call the city to, for the regulations. 
If you call the city, you're just going to talk to another person on the other end of the line who probably doesn't know the rules also, just like you don't. Just another random person who works for the city. They're not experts in short-term rental regulations. So I never call. I pull it myself and I read it, which is how I found out about the, the zoning in Costa Mesa area. In certain pockets, you're able to operate with no problems at all. And I was like, oh, cool. And so I've been operating there with no issues, the regulation going on, right? Uh, my Irvine locations, um, I, and, you know, um, different cities have different ones. Irvine now just passed one, I think, four months ago when we were there, um, where it's only 30-day minimums now. You can't do it. It doesn't matter where you're at, regardless of the zone, the house, the apartment, the commercial. It doesn't matter. It's always 30-day minimums. So it's always you got to pull it, understand it. I actually prefer going into cities that have regulation already because now you have permission to operate. You just got to operate within the guidelines and it makes it so much easier, yeah. so much easier rather than before it used to be like, I'm going to go into the cities that don't have it because I don't have to worry about any problems. But when those regulations arise, man, it's a headache. It's such a headache. I'd rather go into places that have them. So I know how I'm able to actually work. Yeah. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. So real quick, man, before we uh, wrap this thing up, you had mentioned um, getting into purchasing property. Okay. And so as we both know, like, you know, the the STR play can be cash flow heavy, right? And so at some point you you need to move some of that cash into into some yeah. some other assets, right? And so um so I think we're in a very similar place where we're looking at purchase opportunities right now. Um, but what does that look like for you? Like, what are you looking for? What types of properties, where, um, that sort of thing. So, um, currently I'm looking for places where I would love to travel to, where I can set something to hold and it can be, I can build a small little like uh, team for short-term rentals. Um, I just bought out in Milwaukee, um, for three reasons. Number one, anytime somebody travels to a green Bay game, they stay in Milwaukee. It's like a two hour drive, right? Green Bay is super expensive. So they stay there. Um, I mean, I do it. If I'm willing to travel there, someone else is willing to travel there because I'm not special. I'm just a regular dude who travels to regular places, right? So if I and and then when I went to the city, I loved the city, dude. Like I fell in love with it. I was like, I would live here. I was like, so I found a, a duplex. Um, but it's got. I, I wouldn't buy like a like a giant house. It would be something small that I can actually convert to a short term rental. Um, for in this case, it was a duplex. So now I have two units, and then I can start looking for small. Maybe I can build eight to ten units in that place. Um, and then I'm also looking for anything between eight and 12 apartment complexes, little small ones that I can turn into small little like boutique hotels. Um, I'm in the process of looking for that right now. Um, that's basically it. Um, it did. It, it came to a point where I have so many short-term rentals now, I actually had to depart some cash to, so I can avoid taxes because I, I think for last year, I'm going to pay like a ridiculous amount. Um, and so, yeah, that that's basically what I'm looking for specifically. Anywhere that I will travel to, like Big Bear. I'm looking for a cabin in Big Bear because I love Big Bear and I want to go there. Um, that, that's, that's really my strategy. There's nothing special behind it. Just anywhere I would go, I would buy. Awesome, man. Love it. Love it. Love it. So Rafa, man, this is, uh, <laughs> this has been a, a, a fascinating conversation because you really kind of laid out the blueprint for folks, um, that are interested and really kind of doing the rental arbitrage model. And I, I should have started off by saying, what is rental arbitrage, yeah. right? Um, but <laughs> why, why don't you give us just a real quick brief, what is rental arbitrage for the Yeah, list? for sure. So rental arbitrage is basically, long story short, you rent someone else's apartment long-term as a regular tenant, we go and furnish it, and then you rent it at a higher rate per night and you make a spread in profit. That's it. Yep, there you go. 
There you go. So, so, you know, for everyone who's listening, um, Robert's really kind of just laid out again, the blueprint, you know, for going after, um, this rental arbitrage, uh, you know, business model, right. And what that looks like and what that conversation consists of and how, you know, who to set up those relationships with, you know, how to take advantage of opportunities to scale. Right. Um, and, and then how you parlay that into, uh, you know, wealth generating assets like real property that you can then turn around and use for short term rentals also in places that you like to visit. So for A to Z, man, that, that, that's beautiful. So before we go, Rafa, man, um, let me ask you this. Um, what is one like takeaway action item that you would recommend for? you know, that new person out there that is uh, either looking to get their first one or maybe they have their first one or two and they're looking to kind of um, level a game up this year. What uh, what's one action item that you would offer to them? Yeah. So for, for whoever is already in operations and, and they're looking to grow, start recording everything that you do in your business, like everything, literally document everything that you do. When you come across a problem guest, write down how you handled it, right? Or record a quick, like loom.com video, right? Um, record a quick video because as you grow and as you scale, um, the biggest problem is going to implement these little processes to be able to delegate the work to other people. Like when you hire a virtual assistant, eventually you're going to have to hire an assistant to help you if you really want to scale largely. And in order to be able to train them, it's simple. You just start giving them these videos you've recorded or these these doc these documents you've you've written down, where they can follow. Right. Um, that's if you're already operating. If you're not operating, right, and you're trying to get that first approval, just just start making those either um, not phone calls but relationships. Um, start going out and looking for the places because whatever that next actionable step is, whatever it is, whether it's pick up the phone, whether it's um, go talk to a realtor, whether it's go to a networking event. Once you take that first step, the second one's going to be so much easier because you already started it. And it kind of, it's like a domino effect. It just starts derailing one thing after the other, after the other, just take that next step to whatever your goal is going to be in the short-term rental arbitrage world. Really. Love it. Love it. Awesome. Awesome. So last question, man. Um, what's one tool or tip or strategy or resource or, or what have you that you would uh, recommend for the listeners? Um, I guess in terms of if you're just getting started, you know, learn as much as you can about short-term rentals because it's really what's going to help you be confident when you go and talk to these investors or, or property management companies. If you go on blind, not knowing how to answer questions, you're going to get a bunch of no's, right? Um, learn as much as you can. And it, I don't mean like learn and do analysis by paralysis type of situation. I mean, learn something and then go out and try it, right? Don't stay here and try to learn the entire business and then start making phone calls. Learn what you're going to say and how to answer a certain question. Once you go and have that first conversation and you come across a question that you don't know how to answer, go and learn the answer because then the next, second time you not know how to answer it. Like that's literally, that's what's going to get you to that, to that point. Um, yeah. Does that, does that answer it? Yeah, man, that's spot on. That's excellent advice. Excellent advice. So, hey, man, before we, before we wrap it up, man, tell the listeners if they want to connect with you, um, you know, what's the best way to reach out to you, connect with you, um, learn more about yeah. you. Um, on Instagram, 
Rafa underscore L zero Z A. So Rafa Loza. Um, and then uh, I have a podcast called The Big Break Show, uh, where we talk about uh, short term rentals. You were on it, Noble, which was a great episode. We got really great feedback from that one. Um, and we talk about life, entrepreneurship, mindset, short term rentals, and investing. Um, if you guys want to follow us on that, listen to it. We have it both on uh, Spotify, uh, 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 iTunes, and on YouTube for uh, if you want to watch it as well. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. The listeners need to go check that out. The big break show, uh, with yourself and Jesse Vasquez, there will be, um, links in the show notes. So make sure you check that out. Rafa, man. Hey, we appreciate you, uh, immensely, uh, for tapping in with us today for providing such valuable information, man. We're going to have to have you back to talk operations in the future. Yeah, I'm down, man, for sure. Just let me know. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Awesome, awesome. Well, there you have it, folks. Another successful episode of the Hospitality Cashflow Podcast. Hey, tune in with us next week as we bring a new guest to the show and keep the train moving. Thank you so much. Yeah.